Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, yes, people. Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Welcome. This is part two of our two-part bonus episode. Last week, you would have heard us talking about the Eurythmics Greatest Hits and Primus is sailing the Caesar cheese. We're back this week to talk about uh, Gish by the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, as you uh, know, this is an episode that we created simply uh, because we wanted to, really. It's not, these aren't number one albums, but these are records that had some kind of relevance to me and Chris's musical journey, and we love these records, so we thought we'd geek out on them a bit. If you're only here for the number ones, then feel free to skip these. Uh, if you want to hear a bit about uh, some brilliant records, then don't skip them. Listen on. Uh, if you haven't heard the first part of this, it is available already. So uh, go back and download that. Why haven't you already? What is wrong with you? Um, what's going on in our lives? I am currently in America. Uh, I'm recording this in the past, to be honest with you. So hopefully uh, my plane hasn't crashed. I haven't died. I haven't fallen off a roller coaster. Hopefully I'm still alive is the point that I'm making here. Uh, and if not, let this be the eulogy that lives beyond my days. This podcast is brought to you, as always, by On The Edge Comedy, uh, Brighton's best new act, new material night on the first and third Fridays of every month at the Carolina Brunswick Pub. Uh, next event is going to be on the 17th, uh, where we have the very wonderful Daniel Muggleton headlining these. A great dude from Australia. Really, really funny act. Uh, you can find him on Amazon. He's got a podcast of his own called The Union Jackoff. Go check out Daniel uh, if you like what you're seeing. Come down on the 17th of October to the Carolina Brunswick. See him and a whole host of fantastic acts. You can even see me emceeing. Um, I mean, I'm dog shit, but fuck it. What can you do? Anyway, without any further ado, I've spaffed on long enough about this. Uh, listen to what we've got to say about the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, get in contact, as always, via social media. All the addresses are at the end, or you can just find them on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Uh, get in contact with anything you want to say, even if you just want to call me a rude word. Uh, I'm all right with that. Anyway, uh, take care, guys. Enjoy this, and I'll see you soon. Bye. Okay, so I have looked at the top 10 singles for the same week as the top 10 albums. So it's the okay. week of May 5th to the 11th. Nice. And again, this is one where there's a lot of new stuff that we cool. haven't already talked about. So let's go through some of these and see if you recognise them. You'll definitely recognise this one. Much to your chagrin. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. All right, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. But this is a great tune. Blur, there's fine. no other way. It, you know, I mean... Uh, but I mean, but again, right? Like his vocal is at its most cunty in that that song. No, it's oh, it's absolutely not. It's it, absolutely it's at its most cunty in Park Life. Oh well, yes. This, this is an entirely different band. This is baggy 
indie blur. This is 1991. Everything's got a bit of a shuffle. Oh, all right. Yeah, this t- is a different I, band. I, I will take that. I, I still yeah. find the fucking affectation, the, the working class affectation oh, irritating. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I think you're you're hearing it when it's not there on, on this stuff. I'd play, like play, it, play it a bit more. Fair enough. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah. No. That, that, that is them just being indie kids. Yeah. yeah I mean, I f- just for context, if you haven't listened to this podcast oh, before, point, yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate Damon Albarn. I hate <laughs> yeah, that's true. him. We should have. Uh, that, that's true. I, I, I hate Damon Albarn. I hate him. You do. Uh, okay. So that was number ten in the charts. Number nine is James with Sit Down ninety one, uh, which. Is obviously uh, the re-release that got yep. massive attention. Mm-hmm. It was huge this this year. Number eight, uh, I remember this. I'm not sure if it would have been your thing or not, though. Oh, I didn't know what's that. Um, Ringing bells. Yeah, it is. Oh god, that is one from the archives. What it's kind it? of a super group. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know. What is it? Uh, well, the band is called Electronic. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting away with it. Getting away with it, yeah. yeah. Getting away with it all my life, yeah. I don't, exactly, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Burn, it's Burn Sumner, Sumner uh, Neil um, Tennant. And... Precisely. There was a big album, actually. I never particularly liked the album. Someone got me the album for Christmas, on tape, in fact, mm-hmm. and I never really liked it. It wasn't my thing. Right, okay. It was I mean, a bit too blah. I remember really liking this single. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I clearly haven't catchy. listened to it for years because no, I couldn't no. remember what it was, but it was it was it was somewhere at the back of my head. Okay. Uh, All right. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I liked uh, I liked Neil Tennant's kind of flat vocal. Yeah. On this chorus. Okay. And, yeah. I, this is an okay song. It's totally fine. I just didn't. I think as well. The probably the one time I listened to the album all the way through when I got it, it all sounded the same. Well, I mean, I can't. I'm not a fan of Bernard Sumner. Uh, I mean, I gotta say, I can't. Like, if you ask me, uh, what do you want to hear? And I, well, how about Pet Shop Boys record, but with all the fun taken out right, of it? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not really a good sell, is it? Nah, true. All right. Well, that's number eight. Uh, number seven. I, I'm going to see if you get this because I would not have got this at all. I would not get this. Nah, not nah. Nice. It's uh, Kathy Dennis. Oh, with touch me all night long. Yeah. Nah. I, I wasn't I, sure how much of. Uh, I really fancied Kathy Dennis oh, at the God, time, yeah. so I probably fucking would have remembered you, that if you got me to the chorus. I see. Right. You'd have remembered the video at least. Yeah. I think she was. Oh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's number seven. Number six was Vic Reeves with Born Free, um, which was a terrible, terrible idea. I mean, yeah. I don't know why he, he b- thought that would be anything other than boring shit. Uh, number five is Chesney Hawks, the one and only. Number four is Zuccaro and Paul Young with Senzo and Adonna. Without a woman. Yeah. That's a good tune. Oh, I didn't like that one No bit. more pain and no sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, I'm assuming as well, because I think there is a Paul Young Greatest Hits on the horizon in 1991, which is presumably why that happened, because he was part of this nonsense. But we're not touching that anyway. Look, man, Paul, we don't slag off Paul Young. 
He's he's a Luton boy, isn't he? Luton boy. Yeah. We uh, we look after one our of, own. one of the few that you can actually be proud of. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's him or Tommy <laughs> fucking Robinson. <laughs> uh, number three is orchestral maneuvers in the dark with sailing on the seven seas. OMG, it's OMD. Yeah. Uh, number two. Sorry, I'm gonna have to play this one off YouTube. Okay, everybody, lie down on the floor and keep calm. KLF. KLF. Gonna rock you. KLF. They are gonna rock me. That's a moo Do you remember which one this is? Um, uh, KLF's gonna rock you, isn't it? Isn't it? No. Uh, what's it called? Last train. Central. Central. Yeah. yeah. All aboard. Woohoo! Uh, and number one this week. Uh, actually, fuck it. I'm not gonna bother because we're gonna have to talk about it another time. Is Cher's Shoop Shoop song. So we'll skip that mm. for now. Uh, other, there's a ton of other singles though. This one got to number 17 in the charts uh, in this week that we're looking at. I, preach, my dear friend, you're about to receive I loved this single. I bought this on seven inches as soon as it came out. It's an umbot by Hanson. <laughs> God, how dare you! How dare you? <laughs> no, no, this uh, didn't get you. The Betty Boo? No, no, no. Sounds like Betty Boo. I, don't, I, I see where you're coming from in the Betty Boo thing, for sure. No. Where is it? The E, the E. This is a definition of sound. Yeah. Where you love like heaven. Yeah. Um, I've never been into definition of sound. Oh, no, nobody was into definition of sound. Because everything else they released was dog shit. Hmm. But... I think that's a brilliant. I kind of, I kind of. As soon as the vocal came in, I kind of remembered it. I don't. I still probably wouldn't have got definition of sound from that. Like, really? Yeah. I don't think so. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I, I really enjoyed that. I must admit, I was a fan of that at the time. Uh, number ten in this week. Again, I think I bought this on seven. And this it's alternate. No. It's one of those though. So. I think it was the, the, the theme to one of the, the, the was it the Death 2 on oh the god Death 2 yeah Norm, energy Normsky it. yeah I think it was used as the theme to that at the time it was definitely on TV somewhere uh, there was a there was a guy from my school that was regularly on Dance Energy dancing really yeah it was, uh, he ended up being uh, in Phil Life Sci-Fi oh right Sci- yeah Sci-Fi oh right is ringing any bells though or is this um? Human nature. Something wrong with human nature. Nature, nature, nature. No, I don't think I've ever heard this. Really, Gary Clayle and the All New Sign System. Nah, uh, I, I, do you know what? Do you know what? I remember. Mm. If you'd have said to me Gary Clayle, I'd have probably got to. He had a song called Human Nature. Okay, right. But I don't think I ever Didn't, heard it. Don't remember. I don't think I ever heard it. No. I see. Oh, it was big. Like I say, it peaked at number ten, mm. and I think that intro was used as some theme tune for a, yeah, a that's, youth that's program. Weird. It's weird that I don't know that one. Mm, okay. All right. Well, that's that. Peaking at number eighteen. You must know this one. This was a big tune and various re-releases throughout the years as well. In terms of jangly indie pop, this is right up there. 
shocker today. Mate, you absolutely know this. I mean, one. I know I do, but I just can't fight. I can't. Yeah. Oh, it's Wonder Stuff. No. No. Oh, no. Um, hang on. It's got Steve Coogan's brother in it, if that helps. Martin Coogan was the singer. Yes, uh, Mock Turtles. Mo- thank you. Fuck's sake. Bloody hell, Dave. You're going to have to drink a lot in this drinking game. I know, and I've stopped drinking. Yeah, Mock Turtles, yeah, can you dig it? That was fucking terrible. I'm ashamed of that. You, you, uh, I thought you'd have got that. thought you'd got that sooner. Um, mind you, you did just mention them, so we'll play this one. This, got, this peaked at number five during this time period. Wonder stuff. This is the wonder stuff, yeah. The size of the car. Yeah. Yeah, this was like one of the big singles that kind of got them noticed by the general public. I had friends who were well into the wonder stuff and saw this uh, as them. That, oh, they sold out. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Suddenly, uh, how did they feel about Dizzy with Rick Reeves? Oh, they hit. No, in fact, I think, because Dizzy, I think, was first. Mate, is that right? right? And I think they said that Dizzy, no, that's clever because that's getting the getting them into the mainstream, getting them heard by the mainstream. But then they released this, which was a, an overtly pop song. They went, oh, they sold out. But yeah, yeah that, I mean, that, that's what happens when you've got fucking 16-year-old mates who are heavily into a band. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, you're dickheads when you're that age. Exactly. Uh, peaking at number 52, and this isn't on Spotify at all, but... Now, here this. This sound, and a dibby-dibby sound, this are the wickedest sound than Gargan yeah, in town. This is a fucking massive so tune. Rebel MC. Rebel MC. The wickedest sound. Yeah, I love this song. Oh, this was, this was an absolute revelation to me that a song could be we, this hard and heavy. We. It was like stripped down and bare, all the like, that fury in the drums. Yeah. Brilliant song. And also, if you think about it, this was 91, so Street Tough was 1990, wasn't it? Yeah. So the massive difference oh, mate. between the pop rap of Street Tough yeah. into this, which yeah, is then, where he was just like experimenting with almost jungle beats. Where yeah, black, um, black meaning good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Fucking, uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, this perfect. was proto-drum and bass, wasn't it? It yeah, really, it yeah, really sure. was. And I mean, I haven't listened to that whole album in many years. No. I bet you it still sounds good, though. A well, lot of it. That still sounds decent to me. That doesn't sound dated at all. A fucking over the ocean and over the, the sea. Romeo me flowing yeah. into reality. Will he broad? Yeah, man. Oh, my wicked. God, man. So fucking good. Wicked. Broad uh, and broad. Uh, also, we've got Silver Bullet uh, released Undercover Anarchist. Was that, the, was that, surely that's too late. Is that, is that a second record? Oh, possibly. I mean, it's, 20 it's seconds. Well after 20, 20 seconds of comply was like 90, 88, 89, wasn't it? No. No, I'd say. 90? I'd say 90, yeah, early okay. 90. Maybe um, we talked about it last year. Exactly. I think, I think we talked old. about it last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. But this was definitely later, and this wasn't as good as song at all. It was nah. a lot more ordinary mm-hmm. when they're not an ordinary band. Uh, Quadrophonia, Quadrophonia, which I fucking love as a proper big, ridiculous rave tune. Do you remember it at all? Uh, play me it. Play I probably it. do. But I... Just overblown, massive warehouse rave 
some sirens, some... There's a lot of glow sticks in this. Oh, yeah. This is, you know, this is off your face, dancing. Yeah, fucking brilliant stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Great stuff, yeah. Uh, I've just, uh, oh yes, I just looked at my phone while that was on, and uh, uh, as I knew I would, I'm getting shit off our friend Sean for not getting uh, Hangar 18. <laughs> I knew I was going to get shit off someone for that. <laughs> right, I wouldn't have got it if you'd played me the entire song. So you're still better than me. Yes, I am. Uh, right, peaking at number ten, and we mentioned them a little bit earlier on. Della Soul, yeah. ring, ring, ring. And this was the first thing I heard from them post Three Feet High. Because it's had that weird fucking thing where it paraphrased Curiosity Killed the Cat. Yeah, I know. don't know where that happened. Oh, yeah. oh, name. But I really enjoyed that. Number. I thought it was a great single. I then bought the album, and I admit I was disappointed with the album because I was expecting Three Feet High Part 2, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that. Uh, but it stands up to the test of time. Yeah, it does. I I mean, th- there was a period that I'd have been a real fucking contrarian. I'd have argued the toss that uh, De La Soul is Dead is a better album than oh, really? Three Feet High. And I'm not there anymore. I, th- okay. I think I'm. Okay. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of things about De La Soul is Dead that are better than things on. I think they are better rappers. I think there's better, oh, I see. better okay. change. But. You know, you can't. You know, you are you are being a contrarian if you're yeah, arguing. I think that. so. Yeah, I think so. I think there's just something about three feet high. There's a a spark and a magic to it. That, yeah, that is hard to replicate ever again. I mean, you simply can't. I mean, I, I, I'm so sad that that album's lost because they can't. You mm. know, the whole story of that thing. Well, yeah, the sample stuff. They can't. You know, it, that's why it will never stream. Yeah, uh, what a shame. It is. It's a real shame. Now, uh, there will be some kind of fucking amnesty on that, surely. Not if you are, you know, the turtles. And you've already sued them for all of the proceeds of, um, oh, I can't remember what, what track it was, but mm. they're just going to be dicks forever, I think. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up, we've got, well, I'm not going to play it, Floored Up with Take It. What up? Floored. Floored? Floored Up. Well, like Lard with an F in front <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, just like that. Mate. Floored. Floored Up. Floored. Uh-huh. Is, that, is that that festival where they play all the world music? <laughs> <laughs> the Flower. Uh, uh, that got to number 34 at some point in this period Uh, got to number 54 this one and this is a great song I don't know if uh, if it was on your radar back then at all but I loved this tune back then again just that big drum break and that really fucking cool piano break I'm just trying to fucking remember what it is my brain is fucked me today well, again, this wouldn't have been a band you would have been into at all. No, but I know this song. But this is played a lot at uh, like clubs and stuff around now. It's like the fucking wallflowers or something. No. No. Well, there's there's the title of it. 
Only love can break your heart. No, it's the art. It's the band I'm trying to no. get. What's the band? Sinetti. Yeah. I fucking was gonna say Sinetti. I was like, oh, I was no. like Sinetti. No, that was Sarah Crane. No, that was later. All oh, right. I was yeah. in my mind. I was like, oh, that's about three well, years this later. Was, this was like very, very early stuff. Yeah. Fuck's sake. No, I was gonna say fucking. Nah, you know, no one will believe me. It's like caveman all over again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, walk out of this podcast. Tonight. Number peaking at number fifty at some point in here, uh, and I had the seven inch of this. And so it's the seven inch version that I remember better than this. This is the album version. But yeah. I suspect you probably know the album version better. Yeah, this is uh, Gangstar. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gangstar, Love Sick. Love Sick, yeah. Strangely enough, I've been struck, affected by her smile. And your her style is worthwhile. And I'm so fucking glad I got that immediately. Jesus nice. No, that was straight away. Uh, and then I've got. Only got to number 62, the Manic Street Preachers, You Love Us, which was the first single off their Generation Terrorist song. Yeah. Um, and again, I wasn't into them at the time. Not not really into them. Now, I can see that that is an okay song. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think... It spoke to I, some people. I, I had an a ex-girlfriend that uh, converted me to the Holy Bible as a record. Okay. And... That's oh, the sort of the sound of theirs you like. See, I have a fucking problem with the Manic Street Preachers, generally speaking. You hate the Welsh. <laughs> I fucking don't, you cunt. I've got a fucking Welsh dog, you prick. You hate him. No, I don't. Hello, he hates you, Waffles. You leave him alone. I don't alone. know if he told you. You leave him alone, you little fucker. <laughs> fucking stop trying to spread sectarian violence. <laughs> We're just seeding it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Get fucking... ready for the rebellion again. Anyway, the problem is, right, they were touted as this fucking dangerous rock band, yeah. right? And I lived through Everything Must Go. Oh, God. I, 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 oh, yep. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, by the um, time they got to that, that they were safe as houses. But, they, you know, they were just... I mean, they were just the fucking stereophonics without the pretense, you Yeah, know? true. I mean, you know, I, I, I get it. I get a lot of early Manic Street Preachers was Richie Edwards mm-hmm. and that kind of borderline personality and yeah, that kind yeah. of... That whole kind of creative genius, dangerous... You know, I, I get that, right? But to me... The Manic Street Preachers were never much more than a pub rock band. Right. You know, I mean, they had a knack for writing a chorus. Yeah, this is it. I think they've got a couple of good tunes. I think their second album is, is more my sound. But, but this Gold is... Gold Against the Souls. So. And I think this is the thing. I think at the time when the music press was talking about how dangerous this band were, and it's that same faux intellectualism that kind of prevented the indie press talking about all these bands. And I was listening mm. to these like real kind of hardcore bands that were genuinely dangerous. Like you're at the shows and someone was going to get fucked up. Right. You know, and I was just like, I think I was going, oh, well, this is the, uh, no, but this is this. Right. Okay. And, and I just, I think the, the disconnect between those things just kind of gave me this real kind of hatred. for them. <laughs> It's just stayed with you as well. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm like, man. I'm no, I, I, you know, I, I, I want to give them a chance. We'll probably have to do one of their records at some uh, point. We're, we're, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to do Everything Must Go. Mm-hmm. And maybe the one after, but I'm not sure. Like, yeah, when... Oh, the fucking... No, I'm not I'm not doing that one with... If you chill right Yeah, this. that one. I'm not doing right, that. Okay. I mean, they, I mean, looking at Brexit, they were right, but... <laughs> uh, right, the last one I've got in the singles, and this will mean nothing to anybody except me and our friend Craig... Nice. Because we we both discovered that we really like this song. Uh, it's a band called Five Thirty, and the song is called Thirteenth Disciple, and okay. it is indie funk. Oh man, is it like Northside? Yeah, Northside, but sped up and turned up to eleven. 
Right, here, this, uh, this is, I think it's a great little... I'm not even going to try and keep the disapproval off my face for this one. Oh, I quite like that. That's all right, mate. It's, you know, I suppose it's that Stone Roses wow as well, but... I mean, dude, it, it's almost like a, a Stone Roses sample. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a band that no one ever heard. No one gave a shit about at all. This is the one single... The rest of the album doesn't sound like this either, but I like this little riff. I mean, like, I mean, there is a certain irony, though, in a song sounding this much like a song called Fool's Gold. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? True, yes. <laughs> Very true indeed. Oh, that's, there you go. That's all your singles. But uh, the point being, in this kind of nine or ten week period, that's a ton of stuff coming out. You know, yeah, that, that, that's a lot of good stuff. It, it really feels like, um, do you know what I mean? Like the uh, the, the dam is starting to break, doesn't I it? I think so. Okay, right. So let's go into the second album that we want to talk about. Okay. This week. So this was this was your choice. This is my choice, and this is the Smashing Pumpkins' first album, Gish. Nice. In '91. I was starting to listen to, you know, guitar music more. It was, it was absolutely taking over what I was into. Mm-hmm. But I was still, you know, you're unsure as to what you, what to listen to, what's good. There's so much stuff coming through. Yeah. And so it's always handy to have a mate who is curating stuff for you, doing your tapes yeah. and putting stuff on for you to discover. And I had a friend called Robert mm-hmm. who was always going... Uh, Check this out, check this out. And he did me a mixtape and it had a couple of tracks off this album on it. Nice. And I was instantly hooked. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely straight away, fuck me, I love this. Nice. I absolutely loved it. It was also at the time when I was kind of in shit bands when I was younger as well. Oh, that's, and that's I, perfect. And that's exactly. Right. I was uh, a drummer at the time, a very, very average drummer, but I fucking loved hitting the drums. Yeah. And so to hear a band like Smashing Pumpkins where... One of my favourite things about their band in its entirety is Jimmy Chamberlain. You can't not he's one. I mean, he's up there with the top five rock drummers, I think, of all time. He's perfect. He's fucking beautifully. Yeah. Every single bit that he does is pristine, mm-hmm. but has a passion and a, a real aggro to it as well, if it needs it. Or he can go soft and subtle. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. So... You know, it got me at the right time for that as well. But I think the tunes on this are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. I would still say this is my favourite Smashing Pumpkins album, okay. even though I love Siamese Dream, mm-hmm. and I can appreciate that it's a more well-rounded album. Yeah. This is much rougher and rawer and has more of one sound to it than their other things do. Sure. But I love that sound. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great analogy, but this is... Uh, bleach to Nirvana's Nevermind, isn't it? Really? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's it, it's yeah. a it's a bad analogy because uh, because Siamese Dream isn't isn't uh, Nevermind, and this no. isn't as kind of it's, as amateurly put together as Bleach. No, it's very true. Because I mean, if you have, if I mean, you know, Bleach has got some great tunes on it, but if you if you ever try and listen, I mean, oh, talk, quality. talk about fucking drummers, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean that guy. I mean, yeah. There's some. It, it's a lot more sound like a. Uh, a band who haven't found their, their footing yet. Well, it sounds like a band who haven't found their drummer well, yeah. yet. That's <laughs> really what it sounds like. True. But this one, um, this was produced by Butch Vig. Yeah. And it was produced before he produced Nevermind. But mm-hmm. it's obvious that he knows what he's doing. And they recorded this over the course of a couple of months, which apparently at the time was unheard of for Butch Vig to be recording for that amount of time. Okay. He would be in and out in two weeks or most mm-hmm. of the shit. But... 
Billy Corgan, you know, as we find out over the years, is a twat and will not <laughs> let things go if he doesn't yeah. think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And so this is why it, it, it took a lot longer than anyone thought it was going to. But because of, they did spend the time, it sounds like a fully realised band. Even though the sound production isn't as crisp or whatever, it sounds like a band who know exactly what they're doing. Even yeah. though that band is Billy Corgan sure. and he oversaw everything. But... And inter- interestingly, like mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, um, that Primus's previous record, uh, uh, Frizzle Fry and uh, Suck on This, had both come out on Caroline yeah. Records. Uh, obviously, they've moved here to Interscope, uh, and yeah, so this record is out on Caroline as well. Obviously, yeah. Siamese Dream would be on a major. Yeah, indeed, they moved to the Siamese Dream was released on Virgin Records. Yes, it was. Um, and this one, Gish, in the UK, was released on Hut, which is a subsidiary of Virgin. It was licensed from Caroline in the States. So yes. they, were, they were indie on this one, a small, tiny little label. Um, but obviously, because this blew up and because they got so big, they were snapped up by the by the, the parent company. Of course, and you know, and there was the the, the kind of the grunge free, feeding frenzy that took place well, in the, in the meantime, where anyone yeah. that had a credible kind of well, thing exactly. was getting signed. Post, post Nevermind, anyone mm-hmm. who they thought could make money was was getting deals. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the songs. I chose. So I chose five songs. You to, did to listen to on these. And actually, before we do, uh, what. Did you know of this album at the time, Ish, or no? No, I no, I didn't even have an Ish for Gish. Hey, hey. Nice. No, I mean, basically, Smashing Pumpkins for me, again, was... Uh, we talked about it last week's episode. No Nirvana was the first time I heard Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, right. Okay, so that was, that was 93, early 93. And it wouldn't be for actually quite a few years that, that I... I I had friends that were really into Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. but... Uh, and I don't know what it was. It's probably Billy Corgan's voice. Yeah. That is I, a sticking point for people. I, I didn't take to Smashing Pumpkins uh, really until a little bit before Melancholy came out. Yeah. So I, I do love Siamese Dream now. Right. Um, and, and and that's probably why I don't have the quite the relationship with this record. That I, I mean, I've, I've been oh. back and listened to Gish a few times, uh-huh. but uh, I've never owned a copy of it, interestingly enough. Right. Um, so like when Never everyone felt the need. when everyone was talking about like we obviously we saw them this year at Download yeah everyone was really excited about what the track list was going to be and to be honest with you you know like I was less excited about their bit about the stuff of going as it turned out fucking we were wrong to be excited in any way sure mate Fuck I, and I know Mike Collins you'll be listening to this and I saw your on your uh, Twitter that you disagree and I have no idea what you're talking about that was one of the <laughs> worst performances I've ever seen from a band oh, it's so disappointing uh, fucking rubbish I thought they were so disappointing. Uh, okay, so you weren't uh, in '91. You weren't listening to this. You weren't no, aware at all. No, 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 no. Fine. No, no. Okay, I, I was aware and I loved it. So um, let's kick off. And I, I'm kicking off. Track one is track one on the album. So cool. I am one. You are. You're a right one. <laughs> oh. This was the first single that they recorded. Well, they recorded yeah. this uh, for a, like a tiny little label, and then re-recorded it for uh, Caroline. But who does that bass line sound like? Go on. I, I, for me, this is that's the first of the big James Addiction references in oh, this I record. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because obviously, Smashing Pumpkins are referred to as a grunge band, or were at the time. Oh, they absolutely were, yes. Um, it was easy to lump them into the scene. And there's fucking nothing grungy about this, really, apart from some fucking whiny guitars. Well, grunge doesn't do guitar solos. No. Um, Corgan is all about the guitar solos. Mm-hmm. 
And there you go, there's the voice. So yeah. I get that some people did not like the voice, and that was a sticky but I mean, I, but, I get that. But I mean, I think it's relatively understated to what it would become at that point. Yeah, it's not as whiny and annoyingly whiny as he could be. Yeah. I think, like, I don't have an issue with his voice, probably because I love this album so much. And yeah, I mean, I, and I, I don't for the most part. I think there are there are moments when it is it, it becomes great. I mean, I, yeah. I say I didn't like it at first. I grew to like okay, it. Okay, sure. Um, so there's an interesting thing here as well. I've written something down here, and I, I didn't. I think we were talking oh, over right. it. But there's a bit where it sounds a lot like Paradise City. All right. Go, 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 back, go back in the track. There's a groove which is on that kind of same stomp as uh, at ding da ding da ding da ding. Oh, okay. And what I, uh, for me, like the, like the, always one of the most interesting conversations about this time in alternative music was mm. the fact that in LA you had Guns N' Roses, yeah, and oh, Jane's yeah, Diction. We've yeah. talked about this before, yeah. and I find it really interesting that that I've got both of those references straight away from the first track on this record. I see. Okay, I think that's, that's interesting. Actually, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think Billy's quite interesting. Here. And you, you said about you know the, the solos, and the, yeah. that's the best part of this song. Oh, isn't it? you know, as much a twat as Corgan is, the man can play a guitar. Oh sure, He's... man, and so could James Iha. Yes, not not to the same extent, I don't think. But yes, he could. But he could. But well, James Iha had some really interesting ideas. Though, oh I sure, think. and he he supported and was the, and a backbone of the band. Definitely, mm. yeah, it wouldn't have been the same band without that input, but. It's overridingly Corgan's deal. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, the, the solos in this, I think, are brilliant. And I'm not a guitarist. I don't know guitar, but I fucking love the sound of this. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds really young. It sounds really mm-hmm. fierce. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, you know, and I think this is the difference between what this is and what Smashing Pumpkins became. Right. There's, there was a purpose and an intensity and like yeah. a kind of a need to... To put your stat, basically, uh, this uh, for this record for me feels like you fucking need to know how good I am, right? Sure, and the rest yeah. of it is like you know, uh, I'm really good. Why aren't you paying attention to me? Oh, I say, okay, right. Everything from like kind of Aver Adore onwards. Was oh, definitely. That. Yeah, it, that's it's pure ego at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this though, it 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 definitely it's a sign of youth. It's a young young band, like you say. It's a band who have heard a load of kind of sixties and seventies guitar bands their mm-hmm. whole life, uh, but this is their their take on it. It's a li- the, the album is a little bit psychedelic in places. Yeah, it goes different places, but there is an intensity to this. But that to start off with that drum beat that just dum dum ba dum dum ba ba, and then come in bassline. It's like introducing each element, and yeah. this is what you're getting. Well, it's interesting because it? obviously they're coming out of Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously the Midwest in general was really the homeland of heavy metal. Right, sure. That's that's where that's where it shifted all of its units. That LA cock rock shifted all of its units from there. Right. right. Now, obviously, I, I can't tell. I don't know. I don't really know what's happening in Chicago per se at that time. Obviously, you got you got a whole fucking bunch of stuff well, going ministry, on. Ministry, is it? But what you're not in is you're not in Seattle. Right. Sure. And you're not in New York and you're not in L.A. Yeah, true. So this is what's filtering through. And it is its own animal. It very much is hmm. distinctly different from that. Because it's, you know, you, you, you listen to this song and some of the others, you, you, you know they've grown up listening to, to, to crafted songwriters. Yeah. You know, there's kind of a bit of, you know, sonic youth in some of the dissonance mm-hmm. of the guitars. And sure. there's obviously this kind of real 
designed to make it oh, it's real sound different guitars yeah. on it yeah mm. yeah and as you know and, and in the ba- you know the kind of those walking bass lines just you know kind of a bit of new york hardcore in there okay yeah you know you think of like bands like jesus lizard and helmet right you know what i mean true, that that's sure. yeah the, that, that low minute thing of like kind of on right sure that kind of low grumbling menace there's that on there as well uh, so I, you know, I, I think this is you know this is a great first song. I think yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's a great first song. It's a great intro uh, to the band and to the album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it is. It's a. It, this stands the test of time. They still would play this one sometimes because mm-hmm. it's a a, a a signature tune of theirs. And um, whenever they play it live, it's like ten times faster as well. They really just go for yeah. it. But yeah, this is one of my favorites. Absolutely one of my favorites. Yeah, it's great. Right. Uh, the next one I've gone for is. The next track on the album, which is Siva. Ah, Siva. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows this tune. I think so. I think so. This is that's a classic. Oh, the, the riff on this is a monster. And that is so classically Smashing Pumpkins. That did it, did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said uh, he's quoted as saying uh, that the riff sounded like my band. It sounded like my band. It had instant identity, and it got my blood going right away. It crystallised everything I was trying to do with the band. It had power and immediacy, and the song seemed to write itself around that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've... I... That guitar sound is that tone that he gets. Mm-hmm. But, but hear those... Hear those like, oh. kind of little... Kind of, uh, like, uh, like little kind of double-tap drum fills mm-hmm. that are happening around it. They're like... Boom, 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 boom. All accents as well, man. It's, it's so good. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, like, lyrically, it's standard angst, right? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. That's the last thing that matters in the world, guys. Yeah. I mean, I've written down Urgent. It's a yeah, really yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is probably the best riff they ever wrote. It's, it's, it's up there. It's up there and for I, sure. I mean, I, I mean, I do love the riff for Zero. Even it's very I mean, I, I love the riff from Zero, but I don't know if it's as good as that. It's, you've just got this wall oh, I of... that. You've got this fucking wall of sounds. Like I'm still hearing... Like in the way that the, the guitar solos fire off, you know, yeah. I I can't help feel that you know he's either influenced by Navarro or the people that Navarro was influenced. Very by. probable. You it, know, it's, it's, he was. I mean, you can't be as much of a muso as mm-hmm. Corrigan is and was at that time without soaking up and knowing yeah. what's going on. Yeah, you must do. And what I like is that he's he's you know they're taking the kind of the uh, the kind of the, the Really searing parts from all of those big rock guitar solos yeah. that are out there at night, but they're removing a lot of the kind of the wankestry, the fucking mm. like the kind of the, the bits that are about showing off how good you are at yeah, playing yeah. guitar, as opposed the to the bits that fucking you. get you in the soul. You right? Know? Yeah. All those big fucking like kind of arpeggios just kind of get you, and they really. Uh, I. It sounds like an indie tune, mm-hmm. but it's got big. Stadium rock flourishes an ambition behind it. You can feel sure, it already. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is you know this is you. You don't get the impression that Billy Corgan ever wanted to be in a small band. No, he didn't have it in him. Nah. No, not at all. Um, and just in terms of this recording of it, this is the album version. The single version they released, at least over here in the UK, anyway, was a Peel Sessions version. Oh, okay, and it is. It's head and shoulders better. Than oh, is this it really? I, I will listen to it's it. It's fucking astounding. It is rawer. It is. Uh, it, it it expands the space bits when it needs to, and it crashes back in harder than this does. God, I, it's I, fucking I fucking bet John Peel loved this band until he met Billy Corgan. Yeah, true. 
Uh, yeah, I wonder if they ever had another peel session. <laughs> yeah. The other thing about this is, right, um, and it was the same with I Am One. The single versions that they released, they had B-sides, which are better than a lot of bands' A-sides. Yeah. Whenever, they, whenever Smashing Pumpkins released their Pisces Iscariot compilation, which is mm-hmm. a load of B-sides and rarities, the stuff like that... Um, the the Siva single has Girl Named Sam does on it, which is a cover of an animal song, and it's fucking brilliant. The uh, B-side of I Am One, uh, there are two B-sides, we've got Plume and Starla, both on Pisces Iscariot, both brilliant. It's like, he was just a machine at this point, turning yeah. out good songs. Too many to put on an album. Absolutely astounding talent at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, there's a... It is. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know the guy. I don't know his life. But it, it does feel like, like the fire and the desire to be famous mm. was much better than what happened when he'd achieved it. Yeah. yeah I, be I careful think so. what you wish for. You I know? think so. Yeah. Uh, track three, though, that I've gone for is track three on the album. I've really have just gone straight in because it's such a, a f- massive start to an album. But Rhinoceros track three is a different sound. Very to the first much so. Two. And well, actually, this was the one they did on that No Nirvana uh, show. Right. So this would have been your introduction to them, I suppose. But this is a very different approach and a very uh, kind of a a flip side of the first two. And I think this is beautiful. I think this is absolutely just sleek, gorgeous. But again, I hear so much James Addiction in yeah. this. Like, so, like, think about the kind of the, you know, Ted just admit it or something like that. One of the kind of the longer, more discanting songs uh-huh. from Nothing Shocking. Right. I mean, I, I absolutely love them in this mode. I think yeah. this is where Billy Corgan's voice almost sounds best. Oh, because he's not even trying. It's it's re- more relaxed. He's not having to shout and scream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this, because... It, uh, this is, you know, a song of two halves, really, because it does this slow, gentle build, and then kind of halfway through it yeah. crashes in with the bigger guitars and yeah. finishes off with massive guitar solo and this sort of stuff. And see, this is that beautiful. It's just fucking gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Um, but I think that almost sets a template for some stuff they would do later on Siamese Dream. You know, the tracks like... Silverfuck or Mayonnaise well Silverfuck is kind of four different songs in one but Mayonnaise and Soma where it's a massive build this really pretty song that then punches you in the face halfway through yeah I mean it's, it's interesting I mean you know I mean that's that's my favourite kind of Mogwai song right um, but mm. it, obviously there's a lot of you know the, the, the big dynamic of early 90s rock the thing that always gets levelled at is it's quite loud quite loud sure, quite yeah. loud right yeah and it kind of, you know, are they almost fed up of it already? Because they're doing something slightly different with it. They're already kind of trying to twist oh, that I around. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what that is, or maybe that's, maybe that's just over analyzing. Yeah, true. You never know. This does have some of my favorite uh, Jimmy Chamberlain drumming in it, though. I, you know, on this one, the 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 tone that he has on his drum kit works mm. beautifully for this. Sometimes I think it's a little bit uh, too far down in the mix on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, on other albums, he's he's much higher. But on this song, because there's not so much going on, I think the feature of his drums is perfect. Yeah, it's great. I mean, there's a, the, the, the bit where you're just hitting those massive fills as that guitar is starting to rise, mm-hmm. uh, as, as building up and it's layering out, and it's just like, oh, man, yeah. that's just magnificent. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a solo without being a solo. Like you say, it's, it's quite sparse in the sound. It just really stands out in the mix. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, now beautiful. Um, 
so yeah, Rhinoceros is definitely one of my favourites. Um, I love that side of the Smashing Pumpkins. And again, uh, this they released this uh, sort of as a single, but they released it as an, on an EP, uh, on the Lull EP. And there are two songs on that called Blue and Slunk. And Slunk is one of my favourite Smashing Pumpkins songs. Yeah. And it was, wasn't even on the fucking album. I, I, honestly, it's incredible, the stuff they're doing. And then when you look at uh, the... Uh, the soundtrack for the, singles, the, the singles, yeah. singles soundtrack, and Drown is on that, mm-hmm. and that is an incredible Smashing Pumpkins. That's record. Drown for the non-Northern <laughs> Irish. But yeah, fuck me, fuck me, astounding, astounding. Um, but next one I have, and this one. Uh, so yes, I've gone straight into track four, and I know that doing tracks one, two, three, and four is a cop out, but I'm putting Bury Me on there because it was the first song I heard. It was the first one on the tape that I heard. Sure, but you know, it's not a cop-out. If an an album's front-loaded and that's the way it hits you, that's the way it hits you. Yeah. And you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, you know, the first track on Caesar Cheese is a skit, so you can't really have that. Done. I I really wanted to have Here Come the Bastards, but I can only have five. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I would love to have had Crush. I would love to have Suffer or Snail on Mm -hmm. this, but I haven't. Sure. I've gone for the ones that meant more to me at the time or are more representative of what I like about the pumpkins. And Bury Me is absolutely what I liked about the pumpkins. It was yeah. the first one I heard, like I say. And the bass line, the, the fucking beautiful bass line on this, into uh, Jimmy's drums as well. See, that was a great bass line. I mean, it really is. I mean, you know... This reminds me, this kind of got that post-hardcore sound to it. Right, okay, yeah. Of true. all those bands that I loved at the time, you know, like kind of the one, obviously Fugazi is the... Okay, yeah, definitely. You know, the, but obviously yeah. also kind of the Breeders, it's kind of got that yeah. cannonball kind of feel as well. Right, yep. But there you go, kicked into this, and Corgan, when, when Corgan comes in with that really high sort of scream that he does, all the, the instrumentation drops out and he just comes in with the, with the vocal. And it's... I love that. That, nice, that got nice. me straight away. Um, I saw, I saw the band a couple of times around this period. Luckily enough, um, first one was at Reading '92, and then I also saw them at Lord Blues in '93 or '94. And they played Bury Me both times there. Nice. I was so fucking happy because obviously they're never going to play that again. You yeah. know, I bet you they never played it after Sammy's Dream came out. So I was overjoyed that they, I got to see them do it live. And if you see, I, I looked recently at the Reading 92 um, thing on YouTube. I watched a bit of it on there. Yeah. And it's a fucking brilliant version of it. I was, uh... Yeah. I wish I could remember more of it, but I was very, very drunk. I mean, I can't remember shit I said in the last podcast. Well, I can't yeah. remember anything anymore. I'm just but, fucking... This was the first one I heard. Um, I was just transfixed. It, everything after that, I was like, "Oh, I like this too," and I like this too. But this was this was the wedge in the door for me. This particular song. Okay, and I, I think that's interesting because this one for me, as I started to listen to it, yeah, all right, I was probably about halfway through it, and I was just like, "This is a bit repetitive." Right, sure. I was like, "This isn't," and, and it, then that middle eight comes in. Uh huh. And again, it fucking it does the thing that he does really, really well. Build stuff up, layers it up, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the solo kind of drops in, uh-huh. and well, then the, the first solo. Yeah, oh, there are two in this fucker. Well, yeah. yeah, but the, but then the whole the, then it just it kind of takes on its whole other life in the back end of the song. Uh, uh, yeah, and yeah. that's you know that's for me. It's like uh, I was I was I was listening to the first bit and I was going oh whatever. Uh, this is a bit of a I'm surprised. 
uh-huh. you've gone with this one. I, I liked okay. it at the start, and okay. it was like it's done. The, and then I went, ah, right, I get it. This yeah. is what it is. Yeah, no, it does because it, you're right. It absolutely the second half, the last two minutes of this song are very different. Well, I mean, apart from the massive weird outro, but the last two minutes of the actual proper song are much more full on. You know, don't stop. It drags you with it. Yeah, and interesting stuff going on. Yeah, cool. Yeah, another good one, man. Big fan, big fan. And then the last one that I was going to talk about is track eight, breaking the pattern. Track eight, which is Tristessa. Uh, it is another single. <laughs> but it's another reason that I love this album. This was the first single they had on Sub Pop, actually, before they got signed elsewhere. That's a really jagged little riff, isn't it? Still got that Paradise City thing to it, though. Yeah, I, I, no, the thing is, as soon as you said it, and I was listening through while you said it, yes, I can see it. Here as well. Yeah. I love that kind of palm muted kind yeah. of top quality stuff. And once again, you know, Jimmy Chamberlain keeping it, keeping it and then just back in with this. It's like how brilliant. Like how many how many snare hits are there? It's, it's insane. It's just like you, yeah. you can't be hitting that snare that quickly. It's so good. Man. And still be in time with that slower groove. Anyway, so there you go. This is one of my favourite albums of the 90s, I would say. I can listen to this from start to finish, any day of the week. Nice. And love every bit of it. I can tell, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah you. I mean, I don't have the same affection of nostalgia for it. No, absolutely. The same with me and Sailing Seas of Cheese. Sure, but I very much enjoyed spending time with these songs. So, good. yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. Bust this album out a few times ah, it's this week. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it's no Ice T's OG, but what well, is apart yeah. from Ice T's OG? Exactly. Um, should have done a fucking special on that. But yeah, man, what? Uh, you know what, cool. man? I, I I I suspect we've talked for far too we long really, today. Really, I'm just looking at the time. We're on. Two hours ten. Fucking hell! All right. Well, you know, well, I'll edit this fucker down. Uh, do you know what, though, man? I've enjoyed this. I've, it's, yeah, you know, it, we've had some struggles. Well, this, yeah. And it is nice just to kind of, you know, let loose a bit. To, uh, just to fucking talk about some stuff that you really love. Yeah. I, I've really enjoyed everything we've listened to today. Totally. Totally. And we would not have had the chance to do this, you know, because these songs were released in a time period where the Eurythmics Great Sisters was number one. It would have just been glossing over mm-hmm. if we hadn't done this. So. I'm glad we did too. Yeah, but uh, but so basically the uh, the take home messages are the Eurythmics are quite good. <laughs> yeah, Eurythmics yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, we like the Eurythmics. Uh-huh. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins were really really good when they started. Yeah, uh, Primus are fucking amazing. Yeah, and uh, Ice T's OG is a very underrated, overlooked album. There you go. Hope everyone's happy with that. And Chris at Cornell's a selfish man for dying. <laughs> selfish. Selfish. Fucking prick. Anyway, guys, this has been a special bonus episode of Pop Collaborating. Listen, uh, let us know what you thought about it. Uh, let us know if you think we're a bunch of self-indulgent pricks. We know we are, so yeah. you'll be telling us nothing we don't know. It says that on our business card, doesn't it? Anyway, I've, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, yeah. I hope you guys got something out of it. Hit us up on all the social media shit. We will be back next week taking a look at the debut album by Seal. Yes, Seal Seal. Seal, seal. Uh, so yeah, that, we'll do that next week. Uh, see what it's like. Because I must admit, I'd never heard the whole album. No, I hadn't so, we'll, either. Um, we'll give it a go, and we'll give it a go. Uh, all right, uh, we'll see you next time, motherfuckers. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. 
It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast. On Instagram, also at PCL Podcast. And Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is PCLPodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCL Music Podcast at gmail.com.